Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Outsiders. This is podcast number 26, and it's Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. Hey, Robin, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you today? Excellent. Thank you. Fall is in the air. Training camp with the National Hockey League. Oh, hang on a minute. (laughs) How weird is this? How weird is this where this is the time of year where everybody's getting a little extra jump in their stride because, you know, preseason's just begun in the National Hockey League. The Canadian Football League is coming down. Oh, hang on a minute. We can't even go down that road with the CFL anymore. It's just everything. This has just been a weird year. Yeah, I mean, I as we speak, I'm staring at out my window uh, at the autumn colors uh, as we prepare to play the next game in the Stanley Cup final. That that throws the body clock just a bit off. Which is probably over by the time most people have downloaded this. It's yeah. just it's like I said, 2020 has just been a very bizarre year. Just a lot of strange stuff going on. The only thing that has been so, and the Blue Jays are in kind of a little mini playoff and that kind of stuff, a wild card. The only thing that's really been consistent at any level is the National Football League is just basically plowing ahead like it normally does. That's that's the only sense of normality that I've seen off the top of my head. Well, you used to be able to set your watch by the seasons. We'd talk about the overlap and and you know, based on when the World Series is, when the Stanley Cup playoffs are. So, you know, it's it's all out of whack, like you say. Uh, uh, Very few of the leagues are ticking on as normally, and some, uh, as we know, aren't ticking on at all. Let's talk about our guests coming up on the show today. Our headliner is going to be the general manager of the Minnesota Wild, Bill Guerin, who we both know very well. In fact, this is an interview that I think we've been sitting on since January. The very first week of January, I ran into Billy at the World Junior Hockey Championship in Ostrava in the Czech Republic. And I said, hey, by the way, uh, Robin Brownlee and I've got a podcast. You want to come on and join us? He goes, yeah. I said, how are you in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> sure. I'll be great. That's great. Super. Here's all my contact info. Get a hold of me. I said, do I have to go through your people? And he kind of laughed. He said, no. I know you guys. So uh, anyway, so we lined up the interview. And then the night before we were going to do the interview with Billy, I get taken to hospital with a bleeding ulcer. And that was in January. And now here we are just going into the month of October. And once again, 2020, weird year. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. I looked at my text and the last message from Billy before we started talking again is uh, keep me up to speed on Bryn. And uh, that up to speed lasted something like uh, six months. But yeah, when we got back to him, he's happy to get going. And here's the thing, uh, you know, the, the timing works in the sense that Billy's been busy. He, he, he came into the position in Minnesota. He had a long look, uh, figured out what he saw. And clearly what he saw required some change. So uh, Billy's been one of the uh, busiest GMs to this point, And uh, I'm looking forward to asking him about that, among other things. Let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk about the Stanley Cup final. It's been the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The final, I don't know, is I, and we talked about it last week, I've almost been a little bit bored by it, and I don't know exactly why, other than the fact that uh, maybe it's just the time of year and our, our focus in Canada is a little different. If we can get an extra round of golf in at this time of year, guys are opting for the golf over the hockey. I don't know. It's hard to say, but uh, the last few games have been quite entertaining. Corey Perry, uh, wow, we, we talked about him last week as well. He clearly doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to bow out gracefully here. He he is uh, almost willing Dallas. As I said, we're recording this before Game Six, so who knows how this turned out? But he's been uh, a powerful force, and I'm not surprised. He and uh, and Pavelski, uh, Jamie Ben has really started to pick it up here a little bit. The Dallas Stars have showed that they've got a little bit of fight in them. I'm not surprised by that. And Tampa's doing amazing things with Braden Point and no Steven Stamkos. 
You know what, Brent? I'm a bit surprised by Perry. There were times in the last couple of years where, where when I saw Corey play, he looked used up to me. Um, he plays a hard game, and he's not an old man yet, but he's uh, not a young man either. This, uh, I, I'll call it a resurgence during the playoffs. He's been a money guy, and, and players like him play for these moments. I'm just surprised he's got enough left in the tank. Uh, he knows what to do. I'm just a little bit surprised that he still can do it. Have to congratulate the National Hockey League. They've done a nice job in uh, pulling this bubble thing off in both Toronto and Edmonton. But we'll talk more about that next week when the uh, the headliner on our uh, podcast will be Chris Cuthbert from Sportsnet. Chris did the Western games with Louis DeBrusque, did a fantastic job. We'll talk about the whole bubble thing more then, but I just want to get one thing off my chest here. This is a U.S. reporter from down south. I I can't even remember who it was, nor do I care at this point. And all they were doing were bitching and whining about the fact that there's no excitement level or energy level outside of the two-block radius of Rogers Place in Edmonton over a Stanley Cup final being played here in the Alberta capital. And I'm thinking to myself, it's Dallas and Tampa. There's no Edmonton Oilers involved in in this. If it was the Edmonton Oilers involved in this, you uh, trust me, the le- the energy level would be far higher. But it's really been a big thing, and to dump on both Toronto and Edmonton for this whole bubble thing, and uh, oh, not enough amenities for the players, not enough this. The food has been okay, it hasn't been great, it hasn't been five star. Oh, well, I well, you know, we can build. Bill was here for a while. We can ask him how his experience went. I know he wanted it to go longer, but I just, both Toronto and Edmonton should be congratulated, not dumped on, for being able to pull this thing off with the National Hockey League. And we thought we had one positive test, and we're now hearing that they haven't had a single one. I just would like to get the hub thing and the bubble thing over with so we can just get back to normal and people could just dump on the city for, it's too cold. You know, the, the usual <laughs> stuff that people want to dump on western canadian cities for i just i thought to myself if this if this was reversed and it was the calgary flames or the edmonton oilers taking on the carolina hurricanes or uh, or the montreal canadians in tampa would they give a shit no they wouldn't so what like what, what are people expecting there's going to be parades and parties I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the expectation level was of that, but I'll guarantee you one thing. Canadians will tune in when they know that cup is going to be handed out. That's for sure. But whether or not there's going to be excitement level at the bars, right now people don't even know if they can go to certain bars, right? I mean, we're, yeah. like I said, 2020 has just been a weird, bizarre year. You know, many years ago now, I want to say maybe um, 12 or 13 um Rob Tichkowski and I were down in Nashville and we walked in, we were out doing some shopping and we both walked into a t-shirt shop and it's funny how the mind thinks almost in tandem. We said, I got to have that shirt. And it was a t-shirt that said president of the piss and moan about everything club. And sometimes I think that uh, you could hand those out by the pallet full when you, it comes to what you're talking about, you know what? It's a, it's a regional thing. If your team's not in it, you don't care. Um, you know, what do they expect? Do they expect a, a big buzz in, um, you know, down in, down in uh, Florida, if it was the oil, like you say, the Oilers and the Carolina Hurricanes? No. If your team's not in it, with everything else that's going on, the oddness of the timing, Let's not forget the pandemic that has put us here. There's greater, more important things to think about. Oh, and by the way, uh, there's a presidential election on where most of in the country where most of the teams are. There's lots of reasons why there's no buzz. This, it's not about Edmonton. It's not about the bubble. This is the way it happens every year. The other thing too, we get only really three months of summer where we're at. So you got to make these uh, yeah. hard choices between, as I said. Maybe you're going to go golfing. Maybe you're going to head out to the lake. A Stanley Cup final on an excitement level. I just shake my head. It's just, it's, I've been laughing all the way through it. I'm going, oh my God, is there nothing else to talk about other than that? And yet here we are 
talking about it. Sorry, Robin, here I am talking about it. You didn't bring it up. Let's uh, let's get back on track here. The the draft is coming up here on the 6th of October. It's a virtual draft. Now it'll be broadcast on television, but it's not going to be it's not going to be anywhere close to being the way it used to be and and there was that excitement. You want to talk about excitement level. It's always fun to be in the city that's holding the draft. That one I get. Well, you know what? For me, a lot of the fun and as a reporter, was watching the kids, watching their families, uh, and watching the reaction, uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. I never forget the look on uh, Eric Lindros' face when uh, he was drafted after saying, don't take me, don't take me. Um, That, for the fans, I think they'll miss. The the virtual thing uh, is not going to be the same. The kids will miss that experience, the players who are actually being drafted. So, Again, put that on the long list of things that have changed, but uh, we'll deal with it. We'll get through it. Uh, kind of tough for, you know, hey, it's kind of tough for kids that are having their, their big day uh, in this kind of setup. But, hey, it's kind of tough for uh, kids who missed out on a normal grad at the end of school year yeah. last year because of COVID. Everybody, it's, it's, uh, it's changed everything. That's not too broad a statement. And this is one of those things. I, I've seen it from both sides. I've seen it as, as a reporter. And I've also seen it from working for the team where I've been sticking name bars on jerseys seconds before the name is called out. Because when I was working for, let's say, the Edmonton Oilers, we were selecting probably, I don't know, maybe... Anywhere from 12 to 18, generally, like in the middle of the pack. So it's not like you were able to have the, the number one guy in your brain the moment you went to the draft, like they did for Connor McDavid, for example, in Fort Lauderdale. So yeah. you would get a bunch of name bars done up with Velcro on it. And then, of course, uh, when you're getting close when you're getting close, so maybe a couple picks away, you would uh, you would check in with uh, the, the the big brass and say, "Who are we looking at here?" And they would give you maybe about two or three names, so you'd get those two or three name bars ready. You'd flatten out the, you'd flatten out the jersey underneath the table, so it was all set to go. And then you'd get down to the pick before your pick. Are we any major changes here? No, we're uh, right now. It looks like we're going with X. Yeah. And so you'd get those name bars done, and then of course the moment you were on the clock, it would be uh, okay. So who are we taking? And they would tell you. So underneath you'd put the name bar out there, and it would look good. It would look. You couldn't tell, but it was always that. That's kind of it's the fun stuff like that that uh, that, I, that I still miss. That was fun for me, and uh, and then you would hand the jersey off to at that time Bill Tewilly, who was the uh, vice president of public and media relations, and Bill would take the jersey and hand the jersey off to Glenn Sather, who would then call out the name. The kid had come up. He'd give the he'd give his sports coat or his suit coat to Bill as he went up there in basically his shirt and tie, and then you'd do the jersey thing, and then you'd wander around holding on to this kid's suit jacket for probably about twenty five minutes as he'd yeah. he'd run the whole circuit. Yeah, I mean there, there's well, a lot of fun stuff behind the scenes as well, not just what people saw on television, but yeah, it's going to be a little different this year, that's for sure. Actually, you know what, well, Robin, different. we might actually be able to go further behind the scenes now in a virtual world than we've ever done before so this might actually be better not worse oh i don't know about that i used to put on a disguise and skulk around and stalk the draft picks uh down below the seats and nobody knew it was me and i i kid i kid you know what the behind the scenes stuff was a lot of fun i i don't the fans don't get to see a lot of it i mean it, it won't affect them in this sense I used to love, I, I remember talking to Alex Hemsky when he could barely speak English, Jim Matheson and I talking to him. That was one where the, he basically blushed every question you asked him. He was that kind of kid. The language was, was the issue. We're talking to a guy like Robbie Shrimp who dropped like a stone uh, before the Oilers took him the year they took Devin Dubnik uh, 14th and then picked up Shrimp uh, 25th, I want to say. Now, I'm paraphrasing because I don't want to give him a bum rap, but Robbie was a confident kid, and I was uh, we weren't that far from talking about his number being retired at some point in his career. Uh, nice. uh, fans don't get to see that, but that's part of the fun for us. Like I say, part of the fun for them is all the other stuff. And again, um, 
it's it's sort of like too bad this year we'll get back to normal at some point, but this year's not going to be it. I'm sure you have one or two stories that uh, that are takeaway stories for your drafts. It's one thing just to sit there and watch the you know the first round picks, but I'll use the McDavid draft in Fort Lauderdale uh, down there as a reporter because you know when you're in Edmonton and you're selecting number one and you got a, a guy like Connor McDavid who is going to be your you know your team's selection. That story, I mean, we wrote those stories and we broadcast those stories weeks ahead of the draft. There was really not a lot to talk about. My takeaway from that draft was the last selection the Oilers made in that draft, if I recall correctly, was Ethan Bear. And so I remember having a chat with Ethan and uh, his family underneath the seats after he'd done, you know... It was a great conversation because we weren't on the clock. You know, there was the cha- <laughs> there was the chaos around Connor at the at the front end of the draft, but at the back end, it was way more relaxed. And the next day, and uh, I I'll never forget that conversation because he was just so excited to get drafted, and he could see how much it meant to the family and meant uh, a lot to the people at the Ochapoes First Nations in Saskatchewan. It just it it I don't know. It's just like I said. For me, uh, as a reporter, I tend to remen- remember that kind of stuff from drafts than the traditional mayhem. Well, I tell you, here's one that the fans don't see. It's funny. I want to say it was, you know, I had to have been Toronto because it was Lake Ontario. And I think it was uh, Jesse Nina Mackey, the Oilers drafted that year. If I've got it wrong, uh, it's because my memory fades. But I do remember this. Uh post-draft, my questions were of the tone of what the hell are you guys doing? Um, And they went so far off the board for Nina Mackey. I want to keep thinking it was him. Anyway, as was the case at times, the team uh, would sometimes invite the beat writers and the people who covered the team to a uh, post-draft, you know, event. Well, the event this year uh, was on a boat ride out on Lake Ontario. And I remember getting on the boat and Kevin Prendergast, the chief scout, was sitting at the end of the bar glaring at me, but he never came over. And I thought, oh shit. Uh, because like I say, my questions, I think he knew what was going to be in the paper the next day. He did not move and he did not take his eyes off me until they pulled what I want to call is the ramp or the gangplank. Once the gangplank was pulled onto the boat and I couldn't get off, it was a beeline for the beat guy. And man, did I hear about it for as long as I cared to. One of those little scenarios you don't forget, but the reporter was quartered. I didn't have no any place to go and, and uh, KP was going to have his say. And here you are. So you didn't get a, thrown overboard. So, uh, you know, that's kind of nice. <laughs> hey, uh, one last thing before we take a break. Uh, uh, we have free agent frenzy coming up, too. It, it falls in Canada, or used to fall in Canada, on Canada Day. So it's almost like it was a national holiday. So people could just kind of tune in free agent frenzy. This this time around, it it's not falling on a holiday. It's not like it's falling on the Thanksgiving holiday Monday or anything. Oh. I'm just kind of curious to know how how much different it's going to be for fans to follow along, or are people still going to be following along on their on their mobile devices at work? Are you going to be able to talk about it as much? Uh, you know, is there going to be a lot of chatter on Twitter and Facebook, pictures on Instagram, that kind of stuff? It's just going to, like I said, we've had to adapt to so much this year, and yet here we have uh, all these things like the draft and free agent frenzy happening in different ways, and I guess... I, I don't like the term the new normal, but it's just going to seem different again. Well, I tell you, I don't think it's going to be uh, that different. When you mentioned social media, that's where we see most of it now. When a guy signs, it's, you know, it's on Twitter before it's anywhere else. All the conversations and the signings uh, and the rumors, uh, to a large extent, appear on social media before they appear anywhere else. There's not that huge gathering like there is at the draft. So... This is all behind closed doors anyway. I think it'll have, uh, of all the things that the pandemic has had an impact on, I think free agency uh, will be uh, the most minor of all of them. Reporters always have to, okay, here's the number of the guy you signed with your team. 
Um, you know, they're not in the city that you're at unless they happen to come and sign and, and you get an availability. But for the most part, I don't think it's going to change uh, much, Bryn, uh, at least not for the fans. They're going to get their news quick. Uh, so I don't see a, a, a big wave there. By the way, before we go to our, our break, because I know we got Billy Garrett on tap, uh, you said one more thing. I yeah, got to no, no, say hang, one more. Hang on a second, because I know what you're going to talk about. want to do it at the end of the yep. show. Uh, ah. And the reason being is we're not guaranteed we're going to get Bill Garrett, right? Because he's been so active. He's, <laughs> maybe he's working on it. That maybe he's working <laughs> on a big deal or something. We, we have no guarantee. Uh, you want to talk about longevity, right? Is that what you want to talk about? You want to yes. talk about a guy who worked at a place for 49 years and then basically got punted? And we'll use a football. Oh term. yes, I do. Okay, we're yes, definitely we're definitely going to talk about that, and 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 we're just not going to be a passing mention either. I want to talk about it in a little deeper uh, level, but like I said, let's make sure we get our headliner on first here, and we're going to try to endeavor to do that coming up in a couple of moments. We do have to tell you that the Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. I've known uh, Brent McIntosh for a very very long time. Great guy. Does an unbelievable job. How many houses have you had to sell or buy, Robin, over your long life? You know how important a realtor oh. can be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I tell you what, you get the right guy, it can be the best experience you've had. You get the wrong guy, uh, not so much. Well, uh, Brent is just a weird guy. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Brand is a great guy. Uh, but you know, we've been hearing an awful lot about how tough the real estate market is in the Edmonton area for sellers over the last few years. But uh, I think things are kind of making a bit of a turnaround. And, I, and I'm and i hearing that more and more. Average days on the market is something that people are always concerned about. And the other thing that a lot of people are concerned about these days are house values, that that type of thing. Now, Brent and his team have got it down to an art because, you know, he, you know we've, we've talked about the three Ps of real real estate sales, put up a sign, put it on MLS, and then pray that somebody calls. But one of the things that Brent and his group at Remax River City, uh, they, they add a fourth P, and that is having a plan on how to sell your home for the most amount of money in the least amount of time. And who, who could ask for anything other than that? That's exactly what you want to hear out of good people who are looking after your home. So uh, if you're interested in giving Brent a uh, shot, they would love to hear from you. And you can reach them now. It's uh, it's pretty simple. You can uh, check them out online at macintoshgroup.ca or give them a call directly at 780-464-0075. So once again, macintoshgroup.ca. The phone number is 780, and that is 464 0075. And when you get a hold of them, make sure you tell them that the outsiders told you to call. That's an important thing. Coming up, fingers crossed that we'll get the general manager of the Minnesota Wild joining us here on The Outsiders. So anyway, I'm at the World Junior Hockey Championship and I'm upstairs in one of the media locations and Bill Guerin walks by. And so, of course, we uh, reconnect. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I said, Robin Brownlee and I are doing a podcast. Can you join us? He says, sure. How about the next couple of weeks? I thought, this is great. So we line it up and then the night before you're to come on, I get taken down by a bleeding ulcer, which turns into stomach cancer and I get my stomach out. And this has been the longest setup interview ever. Here we are now and, you know, going into the month of October and Bill Guerin, the general manager of the Minnesota Wild, joins us on the podcast today. How you doing, Billy? I'm doing great, Brandon. It's awesome to see you. I know uh, I don't think every, everybody else has seen you, but it's good to talk to you. Good to hear from you, and uh, I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm glad you're doing better, buddy. Uh, I'm sure you had a, a long, hard fight, but it's uh, good to have you. Well, I had a I had a guy in my corner named Dale Howardchuck who was uh, keeping in constant communication with me for quite some time, and he pumped my tires, got me ready, and it was a tough day to hear that that he didn't make it through his battle. But man. You could see his coaching pedigree in in, uh, in getting me all set for my surgery, and I miss him dearly. And uh, but I'll never ever forget him and for what he did for me. And uh, the hockey is full 
full of great people. You're one of them. And uh, I know Robin and I were very excited when we heard that you were taking on this new challenge. But let's go back a little bit here. You had some great training for this gig before you even got into Minnesota. Uh, you uh, Just tell me a little bit about the experience of working with a true veteran in Pittsburgh who you could just watch operate on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I, there are a number of people that uh, that really helped me along the way. And, and to be uh, to be involved on a day-to-day basis with a guy like Jim was, was, uh, was fantastic. I mean, he opened... Uh, you know, he opened everything up to me and gave me the great experience. He trusted me in, in the, the role that I had for him. And um, even before that with Ray Shiro, it was the same. And being in player development, you get to kind of see a lot of different departments and, and just worked with some great some great people like, you know, Tommy Fitzgerald and Jason Bottrell, Randy Sexton, um, all these guys that, you know, that have moved on and, and, and gotten the same roles that I have. And um, or had them before. And, and it, it was just, uh, it was just a great, a great place to, to sit and learn. Billy, at, at what point does it click in that you think when, you know, when your playing days are coming to an end that, you know, Hey, I want to be, I want to be in hockey ops. I want to do something with what I've learned over the years. You know, some guys, when the playing days are over, they walk away. Uh, that's right for them. Uh, you certainly could have if you wanted to. At what point did it click in where you thought, I could be a manager one day, I could be a front office guy one day? Well, you know what, to, to tell you the truth, like as my career kind of got got uh, uh, nearing the end, um, it, it's just a position that, that always kind of intrigued me. Um, but then, there, you know, the, the draw for a player is, is usually – well, a lot of it is to coaching because that's the close. That's as close as you get to the action, to the players, to you know being on the ice without actually being on the ice. So um, that's why player player development was such a great uh, role for me because I got to see, I got some coaching experience in the minors. I got scouting experience. I I saw how the managers um, you know handled things like meetings and draft preparation and. Uh, trade deadline stuff. I was involved in all that. Um, and it, it, it just kind of, it was, it was that manager position, the, the, you know, the, the, the task of being, uh, putting together your own team, seeing if your philosophies work, what, what you think is right. Does that work? And that's what drives me. And, and, um, to be honest with you, being out of hockey wasn't an option for me. It's just really? something that, yeah, I mean, hey, look, I'm a hockey player, and I'm not going to try to kid myself and go and and try to get in real estate or try to do this. I'm a hockey player, and that's to the core, and I was going to be in the game no matter what. So it's a sanity break for the folks at home too, not just you. I'm guessing it's 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 it, they got to be happy to see you go to work. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, Kara could not have me at home. This <laughs> is not. This is not. It was. Uh, you know, I, I kind of came in part part-time and um yeah she just kind of looked at me she's like you don't you have work this weekend aren't you supposed to be watching some games <laughs> i'm like no 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 i got the whole weekend just you and me and she's like oh great well we're, we're happy that, that that worked out now here's the <laughs> the other question for you is that there's an easy part to your gig and there's a hard part to your gig it, it, we all go through that what are you finding is is effortless and what are you finding the, you, you, where you're thinking to yourself, wow, I got to I gotta work a little bit harder on this. Is there, is there anything that you could think of off the top of your head? Not, not effortless. I, I, I mean, this is a great job, but you have to, you have to work extremely hard to keep it. Um, I, I guess the, the thing that I'm uh, really thankful for and, and lucky is, is having a great group of people to work with. You know, Tom Curvers, uh, Chris O'Hearn, Matt Sells, you know, uh, now we have Judd Brackett and Chris Kelleher, all our scouts and our, our, you know, like just everybody around me is a good person. I mean, Craig Leopold's a fantastic guy to work for. Um, and there, there are people over on the business side and we work together on a daily basis and it just, there, there's good people here and I'm, that's what I'm really thankful for. And it, they make it easy on me in that, in that respect, but there's always something going on. There's always a problem. There's always, uh, 
things to be fixed or managed or, um, and that's, that's the challenge of it. And that's what I love. You know, it's, it's interesting, Bill, uh, so many fans, well, around the league, I mean, you played for eight teams for crying out loud. A lot of people <laughs> saw you wear the Jersey, you know, here in Edmonton, uh, strange thing. Matt T and Kevin Lowe used to always talk about even when they were players in New York, hey, wouldn't it be great one day if we could get into this end of the game? And sure enough, they did. And in your time in Edmonton, you had Kevin Lowe as a player at the end of the line. He didn't play much because of that ear condition he had. Then you had him as a coach. Then you had him as a GM. You had one guy in those three different roles before uh, you ended up leaving. Did you did you watch Kevin? Did you have your eyes and ears open uh, for the things that didn't involve just playing? Like he used to talk about picking things up by just being a player that served him well down the line. Yeah, absolutely. It is kind of funny because, yeah, Kevin and I sat next to each other in the locker room. So we were teammates. Then he was a coach. And then once he got his chance at GM, he traded me right away. <laughs> so, no, Kevin's such a such a good guy and a great great friend. And um, But, yeah, I did watch him. And I watched how, like, he – you know what? It was – like I said, the, the natural transition was into coaching. Um, and then he just seemed built for the GM role. But also seeing what the other things that Kevin was doing, like, in the – not just in the community, but on the business side, which really said like, okay, the GM's not just dealing with the hockey team. And it might be like that in some markets, but I didn't see it like that for him. And he was just, he, you know, then he got into the president's role and everything was just, there was a lot to do. He was a busy guy. He wasn't sitting on his hands just trying to make trades. He was, uh, you know, extremely busy. And that's, I picked up on that and he worked, uh, he worked his butt off. Plus, he also had a little bit of slats too, right? If I'm not mistaken. So, what do you learn from a guy like Glenn yeah. Sather, who had a pretty good track record with great players? A lot. You know what? And, and slats is just the one thing that I really love about slats was his swagger and his confidence and um, his ability to communicate and relate to the guys. But he was always one that would. If we were struggling and he could help us, he would give it to us straight. But then as a team, he would always give it, he would always give us confidence. You know, I, I remember when we were down to Colorado uh, in the playoffs that one year, we were down three to one and we had a team dinner the night before uh, game five and, and Slatch just stood up and he says, I don't know what the heck you guys are all worried about. He goes, you got them right where you want them. He goes, you know, just like like playing his day. You got him right where you want him. Don't worry. We're gonna go out and win tomorrow, and then we're gonna just keep tracking him down, and we're gonna we're gonna be fine. And we were all like, oh yeah, okay, great, yeah, we're we're good. And uh, the the other the other the other uh, thing I remember is he used to always he said I used to always tell guys back in the day, if you can take Wayne Gretzky's job, I'll give it to you. Hmm. Nobody ever could, but that's, that's the message to, you know, the group it's comp- it's competition, it's competitive. And if you can be better than somebody on that team, then do it, take their job. And those are two, two, uh, two things that I learned from, from slats. I mean, two of the many, but, um, just being around him a short time was, was awesome. And you saw this firsthand bill. And of course, those of us around Edmonton saw it for years and years, be honest with the players, shoot straight. And that's good and bad. Players don't want uh, bullshit, good or bad. They want to hear where they're at, where the team's at, and they know when somebody's feeding them a line. Um, Years later now in your position, uh, you paid your dues. There was talk about you as a possibility in Edmonton. We know Ken Holland ended up here. I mean, talk about opposite ends you just getting into the gm role ken holland is a proven commodity but you now as the man in minnesota you sat back you took the role and now this season you've been very busy and people have asked well what about this deal what about uh, 
Why, why did you do, why isn't Koivu coming back? Why do you trade this guy? Why do you sign that guy? Um, you've been pretty honest in what I've read, and that's the straight shooting part. Um, we have been in the same place for a long, a long time. You're, you're paraphrasing. You know, we've got to get better. I'm not making change for the sake of change. I'm making sake, uh, changes so that this can be a, a better hockey club. Um, it's like the cards are on the table and there's no BS involved in it. Yeah, and I, I think especially when it comes to the players, like they can smell bullshit a mile away. And you know what? You have to be straight with them. I think they, I think they deserve that and they, they've earned that respect. And um, that's always the way I wanted to be treated. And um, that's what I, I, that's how I, I like to treat our players. And as for the media, you know what? It, it's. I mean, you, you guys can you guys can smell the bullshit too, and there's just no. Why would I try to spin a story that that isn't true and 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 give it to you straight? Like it's just it's just where we are, and I, I just that's just the way I'm wired, I guess. But it, it's it just works for me that way. And if I'm giving away too much, then then so be it. But um, you know, I, I felt like I was always treated fairly by. Uh, by by my managers and you know even when I was traded it was you know like I remember getting traded from Edmonton Kevin was just straight up with me and and the reasons why and and I appreciated that it helps me it helps you understand and uh, that's what I try to do you know if you take a look at the managerial handbook it doesn't matter on what uh, the profession is generally really good managers kind of sit back a little bit kind of uh, take stock of what they have as an organization you've certainly done that and then this summer you've kind of started to put way more of your stamp on on the organization what kind of team are you trying to build is it a speedy team like i i enjoyed watching the team perform in the bubble i know you would have loved to have gone further but it just looks to me like uh, you're looking for speed which is so important in the national hockey league but that's what i see what are you shooting for well you know what i i think yeah we we need to add some speed um but I, I don't really think you can just focus in on on one thing. You need speed. You need skill. You need grit. You need toughness. You know, you need a, a whole mix of things, and that that's what that's what makes a really good team. You know, even I mean, you you look at all the teams that are winning. They have they have everything, and you can't just focus. You just have to focus on what you feel your weakness is, and try to build that that part up. Um, the the one thing that I do expect. Uh, you know, from our team is to be highly competitive, like no nights off. You know, I don't, if you're a skilled guy or, or a grinder or a gritty guy, whatever, you have to compete. You have to compete on a nightly basis. And, and I want our, our team to be able to play and, you know, play our best hockey in the toughest situations. You know, that's interesting, Bill. And we hear that a lot. And again, uh, in the shoot straight department, there's some guys uh, hey, and if you're in the National Hockey League as a player, you're a hell of a player just to get there. But competing every shift, not letting uh, defeat get you down, uh, insisting on competing at the highest level. Some guys talk that talk, but they don't walk that walk. And finding somebody who does uh, is not all that easy. There's some great skill out there. Or there's guys who give it their all, but really don't have that much skill. They're, you know, they can be depth players. How do you find the guy who can play, who can skate, and would rather crawl through broken glass than lose? That's a tough cat to find, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they, they're they're tough to find. But like you said, like there are different types of player in the NA, players in the NHL, and like you said, some are don't have as much skill as others and some might have a, a grittier game, but everybody, no matter what your skill level or what, we all have our own way of competing. And you know what? Kevin Fiala's mm -hmm. high compete game is much different than Marcus Foligno's high compete game. Um, but we have to be okay with both because those elements, those ingredients, you know, help us be a, a better team. Yeah, and we, we we want those different elements. 
You mentioned swagger when you were talking about Glenn Sather. It's fun watching teams get on a bit of a run or a roll in the playoffs or the play-ins. And they get that little swagger and that little energy. And uh, you, you had an opportunity to watch your team through uh, through the early going here. Is it uh, is it tough just to sit there when you've played the game at such a high level and you've won a couple of cups? Is it tough for you just to sit there and watch it? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It was never. Um, it was never like a a fun thing to sit there and watch the playoffs after you got knocked out, like. Uh, it just stings. And to, to be honest with you, when I was playing for a while, I didn't watch. And then, like, I felt like I almost, like, forgot, like, like how, how, how deep you have to go and how much. Like, so I started watching again, and it, it just drives you. It just drives you. And, um, you know, we're all competitive people, and, and we want to be in a position here in Minnesota where, where we can compete for the Stanley Cup uh, you know, on a yearly basis and we have to build to that. And, um, yeah, we want to, we want to be in the mix as, as much as everybody else. And it's, it's hard to watch. Hard to watch Bill. Uh, when you, the player in you is always there. I remember, uh, one road trip, we were at Chelsea piers in New York. And at this point, Kevin Lowe was the GM for crying out loud. He wasn't even an assistant coach or a coach. And some of the kids were out there and he puts on the, he's got on the track suit and throws on the skates and they're out digging and somebody gave him a bit of a shot and he turns around and he starts hacking and whacking. And, and it was like, what the hell this player's thinking? This is my GM. He just punched me in the mouth. Um, that's a, there's always that connection there. If you've played the game, even if you're a manager, isn't there? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he, he's, uh, he earned his nickname vicious. Uh, it's a, for good reason. He has that, but, um, yeah, there's always that connection. There's always that switch. There's always that, you know, and I, I guess I, I, I didn't, I didn't realize it while I was playing how unique, uh, being a national hockey league player is. And, um, why everybody doesn't do it. There's a different level of intensity and, and commitment and all that stuff. I saw it when I was doing player development and I was in Wilkes-Barre and we were in the playoffs mm-hmm. and I went into the room after the game and I just, I saw the guys and they were like, they're all beat up and their, their faces are, you know, scratched up and hacked up. And, but the look in their eyes was, was different. And, you don't, you just don't get that in everyday life. Um, so it, it, it's, it's very, it's just a very unique thing that, that I found and you, you don't really lose it. We know your phone's going to be ringing crazy because we're, you know, we're getting down to the draft and the free agent frenzy and everything before we let you roll. I was looking at your stats and your numbers. There is a, a common denominator with your great skill level as a player, and his number was 39. Uh, you and Dougie Waite just seemed to click very well out on the ice. Can you can you figure out exactly what it was, or was it just there was a synergy there? Yeah, Dougie and I just, you know what? Uh, I mean, like, hey, look, my his game matched up with a lot of people's because he was so good, so skilled in his, his vision, but I relied on a guy like him, and I Dougie's, you know, Dougie is one of my very best friends and we got along so well off the ice, but on the ice, we, we got, we talked about everything. We were always talking about different plays. Our, our communication was great. And Dougie's such a great teammate. And the, the one thing was about Dougie and I don't know if people like really understand this, how tough Dougie was. Nah. And like we, we, we would get into like some, you know, back in those days, there some, some nights got ugly. But I loved it because I always knew Dougie had my back, and he was, and I had his back, and it just made it, it just made it great um, and fun to play with Dougie. And um, you know, like I said though, like the the game part, he was always, we we're always going back to the bench and like, hey, next time, what do we, what if we do this? What, what next time, what, Billy, hit that hole, and I'll do this, and then I'll hit you there. It was a constant, uh, you know, gamesmanship with him, and it was just. He's the best teammate you could ask for. Well, you guys were you guys were a pretty good combo off the ice, as as I remember as well, Billy. <laughs> um, we still you know, are. We still are. 
we're going to, we're going to keep certain things uh, on, on the bus because that's the unspoken rule. But uh, it was clear you were great friends. I remember, you know, I mean, you played some with them, you got back together. Um, you don't meet that many guys. Like there was just something there. And you talked about uh, synergy. Um, that was quite a pair. And, and, and when you went, uh, you know, it was one thing. And then when the Oilers could no longer keep them, we know what happened uh, there. I mean, it was tough money wise before the CBA and, and Dougie had stayed, he was making good money, but of course he had stayed at the same pay for a little while, done what he could. And then, you know, we know what happened when he got out of here, what happened to his salary. Um, people like that, you're lucky if you meet one or two in the in the uh, span of a whole career, aren't you? Guys who are, you, you just click with to that degree. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there are so many great people in the game um, that I've become such good friends with. And, you know, uh, Doug Waite and Keith Kachuk are, are two of my closest friends and you know and it's it goes well beyond hockey you know what our, our families are, are thick as thieves and um yeah just just great people and just lucky to you know i'm lucky to come out of the game with a ton of friends um and and just those two guys in particular are just uh real special to me thanks for your time thanks for waiting almost 200 days to do this interview by the way I appreciate that. It was that. worth so the wait, Brennan. Uh, yeah, it was worth the wait. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Uh, continued success with uh, the hockey club. Uh, it's it's fun to watch every little move you make. And uh, it's uh, it's also fun to talk about all those uh, fun days watching you as a player. And, uh, and uh, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Billy. Thanks a lot, you guys. Great catching up. So once again, a big thank you to Minnesota Wild General Manager Bill Guerin for joining us on the podcast today. We appreciate his time, especially right now. It's a busy, busy time. Hey, Robin, we uh, we were going to talk about this off the top, but we didn't know if we we're going to get Bill. So I decided to arbitrarily push it back to this particular segment. But we got to talk about a guy who is a great professional and a, a great friend named Dwayne Mandrusiak, longtime equipment manager for the Edmonton Eskimos. 49 years he started he started basically just by retrieving uh, you know footballs as a ball boy with the Edmonton Eskimos at the age of 13 I believe now he's just a little bit older than me and after 49 years he was let go unceremoniously by the Edmonton Eskimos sorry the Edmonton whatever you want to call them this week but let's uh, let's talk about the value of loyalty here's a guy who basically bled green and gold and uh, once an Eskimo, always an Eskimo, and was just basically thrown away after 49 years. It's disgusting the way this thing rolled out. Well, when you talk about what you want to call them this week, uh, I don't know that that would go over that well with a lot of fans because I'm sure they've been called a lot of things. Um, and you talk about loyalty, Bryn. Dwayne Mandrusiak, and if you look at the reaction to what happened this week on social media... Uh, knew people and had cared about people and had people care about him from one end of this league to the other. This is not just an Edmonton story. Uh, the response to this has been unbelievable. For me, uh, on a personal level, uh, I certainly wasn't, uh, uh, you know, somebody that saw Dwayne a lot. I covered the Eskimos for many years on and off, but no matter who you speak to about Dwayne Mandrusiak, and if you've ever interacted with him, you know what a honest, gen generous, hardworking, and modest guy he was. Now, we mouth those platitudes about people maybe too often, but I can't think of a case when it was more true. Uh, equipment manager, 49 years, and... When you talk about loyalty, um, somewhere along the way, uh, the Edmonton Football Club has lost the plot when it comes to loyalty. I get it that there are tough decisions that need to be made, but in the case of Dwayne Mandrusiak, he needed to be 
the last man standing. If there is no Dwayne Mandrusiak, he needed to be able to go out on his own terms. He wasn't going to hang around till he couldn't do the job, but he's staring at a 50th season. Yes, it's out of the Eskimos' control in terms of the bigger picture, but there are still people operating and drawing salaries with the Edmonton Eskimos. Dwayne Mandrusiak needed to be one of those people. Would this have been different if it was year 47 or 48, not 49? Because 50 is an unbelievable number. It certainly will warrant a lot of serious thinking about having his name go up on the ring because you've got, it's not just football players. You know, I think Norm Kimball's up there as well. You've got Hugh Campbell, who's up there, who uh, you're talking about a guy who's been with the football team for 49 years. He's going to, there's going to be a lot of consideration and should be to have his name put up on that ring at Commonwealth Stadium. But does it hurt just a little bit more? that it's year 49 and not 50 as opposed to 47 and not 50? Well, I think it... it, uh, it uh, Does it matter? It, it, no, I think it does. I think it exaggerates what happened here because that 50 is a magic mark. But whether it was 50 or 47, you're talking about a 49-year guy. Um, but it's more what he did with those years, Bryn. Anybody around the Eskimos saw that. Uh, quick story. Many years ago, once hockey season was over and my vacation would be used up, I'd help out on the Eskimo beat. So I'd move from hockey to, to the Eskimos. And being a doughhead, I went to an Eskimo game one night and I left home. It was sunny and the sky was clear. And I was driving a Jeep at that time. And I, I took the hard top right off. I didn't even have the bikini top or the soft top on it. I drive to Commonwealth Stadium. Well, by the time we're within an hour of game time, the storm to end all storms has rolled in, and it's raining like effing hell. And it delayed the game, and the side, the the advertisements on the side of the field, which were just cardboard at that time, they weren't the electronic ones they are now. They were blowing around, and they were floating away. And I went outside to look at my Jeep, and it was a joke. I had I had three inches of water inside my Jeep on the on the carpet. My fault, dumbass move. Somehow Dwayne got wind of this. I think guys were giving me shots in the dressing room after the game. Hey, dumbass, have a nice ride home. So you know Dwayne heard must have heard from somebody about what had happened. So he grabs this stack of towels, Gatorade towels. I swear they were as, as tall as he was. Five foot five. Had, five yeah, five. And he, <laughs> on his toes, yeah. And he, and he hands them to me. He says, Brownie, here you go. Take these for the ride home. For the ride home. So I've still, you know, here I am after the game. We file our stories. I'm driving along. Now it's still driving rain. And I'm driving down White Mud Drive on my way home. And people are looking at this guy driving in his Jeep with his top down in a in a absolute downpour. I mean, the rain is horizontal for crying out loud. What's this dumbass doing? I use those towels to soak up all the water out of the Jeep, and I've still got a handful of those things left today. And that was, geez, I don't know how long ago. He never, he, he just, you know, that was Dwayne. There are people with those kind of stories, not dumbass stories about getting their car flooded, but where, where Dwayne just said, hey, what can I do? Here, let me do this. Um, you know, the community stuff, the... Uh, the working with, uh, you know, the the working with Joe Moss with the Eskimos. Yeah. Um, Dwayne was a guy, again, it's not a matter of seniority. Uh, that plays into it. It's what he did during those 49 years, the relationships he struck, and um, the friends he made right across this league. Um, if there was ever a situation, as I said before, where somebody deserved at least the opportunity to go out on their own terms, it was Dwayne Mandrusiak. This is just wrong on every level. And having worked in the media for over 30-plus years, I've seen this kind of rollout of employees happen frequently where guys are basically walked to the door and asked to give you know, turn in their cards and that kind of stuff. So you get a little yeah. battle-weary when you see it, but... But it's still it's still horribly disappointing. In the Edmonton area too, we've been blessed because not only do we have Dwayne 
to deal with here with the Edmonton Eskimos back in the day. But we also had great people with the Oilers in uh, in Kenny Lowe and Barry Stafford and Sparky Kolchilski. Uh, it, it you yeah. know and and that didn't appear to end very well for those guys either. After serving the hockey club for so many years, we don't know the backstory though. Uh, I know that uh, for example Barry Stafford was asked to help. Uh, basically generate a more positive feel with the alumni and I can't speak for Sparky or Kenny Lowe but I, there's just no easy way to do it but 49 years getting to almost 50 uh, I never saw it coming from the community football club I just didn't it, it caught me off guard to the point where I was so speechless all week no man. I didn't even reach out to Dwayne until the weekend and then we exchanged a few text messages he's, he's okay you know I think he got blindsided without without any doubt but it's just disappointing yeah and 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 Dwayne's going to be okay you know he's at an age uh after that tenure with the Eskimos where I'm I'm hoping he you know he's he's fine he doesn't have to worry about finding uh, another job I mean when you're 60 I don't think he's gonna pack up his stuff and go find another town to to do his gig you know I don't that 50s tempting I guess but no it's just I get the business end of it. We've seen it many times. We see it in our industry with good reporters, good media relations people, uh, good coaches for that matter. It's it's part of the gig. You, you, nobody stays forever. So without getting overwrought about it, it's the point is it's just too bad to see a guy like Dwayne Mandrusiak go this way, not his way. And you're absolutely right. The response around the Canadian Football League has been uh, quite, uh, well, everybody's been disappointed. There's uh, there's yeah. no denying that. And anyway, just another one of the great people in a, in a great fun football league and uh, a lot of stories to be told about Dwayne. Uh, many of them over uh, a cold uh, barley malt product and not yeah. on a podcast. Uh, but no. uh, anyway, so best of luck to Dwayne. I I know he's going to be fine. Uh, just uh, I think we're all we all got us back. That's uh, it had to be mentioned. Coming up on the podcast next time, which will be podcast number twenty-seven. Chris Cuthbert. Chris was our first guest on the Outsiders, and at that time was working for TSN and was the longtime voice of the Canadian Football League. But of course, a lot has changed in the last year. He decided to make the jump from TSN to Sportsnet, and yep. uh, and did a great job with Louis DeBrusque in the bubble on all the Western Conference games. But looking very much forward to talking to Chris about that move, talking to him about the bubble and how everything has gone. But we, uh, you know, we're going back to the the number one guy, the guy that we talked to the very first time. So I'm looking forward to the conversation on the next one. Absolutely. Uh, Robin, before we go, uh, there's a couple of little house cleaning things we've got to talk about. It's, uh, you know, we've had a lot of fun doing this podcast, but people can always email us. All you have to do is drop us a note at mightymouth.com at shaw.ca that's mighty mouth at shaw.ca and we'll get back to people as quickly as we possibly can the twitter feed is uh picking up speed too all i have to do is uh, go to our simple handle which is this at outsiders 2020 outsiders is all in caps I don't know if that really matters, but it's at Outsiders 2020. That's our Twitter uh, feed. You've done a nice job of kind of keeping people more up to speed on that than I have. But uh, make sure you tell your friends. Subscribe to our RSS feed. And, of course, we're on all the favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts. The number one site that people are finding us is on Apple. Number two surprises me, actually. It's Pocket Casts. And by a fair oh, bit. Yeah. By a fair bit too, and I I do have that app on my iPhone, and I and I do love it. It's great. The other thing too, is, uh, sponsorship. Uh, we uh, we have to uh, we got to thank the Macintosh Group at Remax River City for coming on board. Brent Macintosh is there. You know, uh, one of the things uh, the mortgage rates are are pretty good right now, and uh, if uh, if the interest rates are of interest of anybody, then I would suggest this is a good time to upgrade, maybe to a bigger property because you can get a great bang for your buck and so all you have to do is uh, check out the realtors from the Macintosh group at Remax River City they'd love to help you with any questions you might have or a potential purchase so uh, give Brent a call over there and uh, uh, you know we'll have Brent on maybe on one of our podcasts just for a couple of minutes just to kind of bring us up to speed on what's going on with him well I just want to echo what you said Brent you usually take care of that but it's great to have Brent aboard we love doing this but if there's and if there's people out there 
who'd like to get their brand out there uh, and they like what we do and they'd like to come aboard as a sponsor. Hey, please let us know. We're, you know, we're hoping to gain momentum again that we thought we had months ago. Uh, We're back at it now. It's important to us to keep doing what we're doing because we enjoy it. Uh, It would be nice to have some people come on board as Brent has. So if you're interested, please contact Brent. Please DM me if you want on Twitter. Uh, and we'll keep doing what we're doing, and hopefully uh, we hear from some of you out there. Robin, thanks, and we'll talk to you next time, okay? Okay, let's get out of here. The proceeding was recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.